Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, and I am so grateful that you have decided to spend a little bit of time with me and my guests to learn a little something. I have a fantastic network of amazing people who make my life richer in so many ways. They make my personal life better, my business life better, my whole life better, and I want to share their stories and their teachings with you so that you can make your life better as well. We are all meant to do great things in our particular domains, and I hope that some of what you learned today may help you to live in your greatness. Hello, it is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. We have a great guest today. It is Derek Paquet from Chexology. Uh, he's got kind of an interesting technology solution. One of those things where when you hear what he does, you're like, yeah, how did that not get invented 20 years ago? And yet, he's still introducing technology, and he's going to share with us a bit about how his business got started, how he came up with it, uh, and how he's working on spreading this, again, kind of no-brainer technology to people who say, Oh, do we need that? So, Derek, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about how you got started and what what Chexology is to begin with. Yeah, so uh, back in college, I started a co-check business at the the nightclubs there. They didn't even offer co-checking, so I lost my coat one night and thought, this is an opportunity, I think, to make money. I think there's a demand so I went around, opened up a couple pop-up co-checks on the busy dance nights and quickly learned they are very profitable. They make good money. However, there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of claims. There's a lot of misplacements. Uh, it's hard to control the guest experience that you want to provide. And as I grew it, I started mm-hmm. to try to figure out how we could take control over providing a good experience to the guests. You know, we can't control if they lose the claim ticket. So, you know, how do we prevent that needle in the haystack and those long lines? And what came out of that, uh, we built uh, an app called CoachX, which we uh, ended up showcasing on Shark Tank with the simple concept that uh, instead of giving someone a piece of paper, their phone number is their claim ticket. They get a text with their claim numbers. When they type in their phone number on an iPad, the front camera takes a picture of them. And we use the back camera in the iPad as they're doing that to take pictures of their codes uh, and associate to a tag number. So um, it started with code checking really for our service business that we were looking to grow. And then we started selling that technology to the large locations providing code checking. So Webster Halls of the world, the Museum of Modern Arts, the Javits Centers. uh, Mm -hmm. And then we've now... Um, expanded the company past just code checks to what the company is now called Checksology because we've expanded the offering to sort of everywhere where people would get a claim ticket. So think luggage storage, think valet, anywhere where you would get a piece of paper, expected to hold on to it, not lose it, and give it back. That makes a lot of sense. Great, great concept because yeah, you're not going to lose your phone, hopefully. Or and yeah. if you lose your phone, you just need the phone number, right? You just need the digits. That- yeah, the text is so, a nice to have. So there's the fail safe now of like, oh, I don't have the text with my claim numbers. We're like, that's okay. What's the last four digits of your phone number? And it pulls up the picture view uh, where your your items are stored and pictures of your items. Now, when you when you first did the pop up code checks, is this, is this like was this New York City or where were you getting this started? This was Bloomington, Indiana. So okay, well, yeah, uh, that's a big uh, entertainment metropolis. I've I've. I know, New York City, Los Angeles, Bloomington, Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah, one, two, three, right? Uh, yeah. So it was, a, it, was, it was surprising, you know, New York had figured out code checking, Chicago had figured out code checking, but Bloomington, Indiana just didn't figure out the code check, you know, uh, offering. So <laughs> it was a lucky opportunity that I, I was just 
you know, coming from DC area, which is, you know, where I was, was spent my high school years. Uh, when I started to go out there, you would, you know, have coat check and I was just mind blown that they didn't offer it there. So that was the first mm. opportunity. And so we're doing this like out on the, on the sidewalk or where, how were you doing that? Yeah. So, um, in one venue, we turned a pool room when it was a dance night, people couldn't play pool. So we would convert the pool tables as like a, essentially the counters and a wall and behind it, we provide co-checking and then get out there. Oh, nice. So when they needed the pool tables, they could do it. And then another one, we had a, what was called a shed in a box. We had a pop-up shed that we put on the front, um, the front patio of another space uh, in the winter time. Mm -hmm. And so right before people walked in, they could just check their coats into this pop-up shed. We had a little heater in there. They go in the bar and then when they come out, they're, you know, coat right there uh, on their way. So how to get a little creative because they didn't design the the spaces for have a coat check. Right. Of course, that's the core of entrepreneurship. You see something that's not getting done, you see a need, and you say, I can solve that need and get paid for it. That's exactly it. Innovation happened. Yep. Um, And so you said you went on Shark Tank. So how how did that go for you? It was, I I mean, it was great for the um, spreading the word of the concept and like what we were doing and and the problem we were were trying to solve. Uh, We got an offer from Mark Cuban. We turned it down because we didn't want to take that valuation. So that created a lot of buzz. Turning down Mark Cuban. So that created more (laughs) buzz. and eventually led to us closing a, a nice round of funding. Okay, all right. So is your your venture venture funded? Yeah, we have uh, we've raised about three million in venture capital to date. Pretty decent scaled business. So it's no longer working out of off a pool table and <laughs> yeah. pop up shed. Changed a little since then. It's it's been yep. bootstrapped. Don't get me wrong. We were definitely bootstrap mentality first. Um, mm-hmm. But when there's opportunity where cash infusion or a strategic partner can help. We, we always are open um, to that. Yeah. So, so where are you finding the biggest opportunities are? Who are the businesses right now that are, are looking at that and saying, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we started in nightlife, so we quickly grew that. And then, um, so live nations of the world are, are the best ones because they have a lot of locations uh, and then we started to discover sort of the, the museums because they do such high volume. Uh, they have mandatory back check, co-check. So we started getting into mm. the museums next. And then we moved to convention centers. So think luggage storage at the conventions when you're coming to a convention. Uh, they also have co-checking in the, in, the, in, in the cold, you know, cold location. So that kind of expanded mm. us out of co-checking. And we started getting into bag and luggage storage. And then the convention hotels picked it up and we're like, well, why don't you do this for bell desks? So now our biggest opportunities and a lot of our focus is expanding to eliminate the luggage storage claim ticket when you get to a hotel early and you need to store your bags or you're, you're leaving early after you've had to check out, um, you know, want to explore the area. So right now, you know, the Four Seasons of the mm-hmm. World, the Marriott's, that's where we're really uh, trying to, to market grab right now. And so it's basically places that are already doing some kind of claim claim ticket process, whether it's a valet or a, a luggage luggage drop off, co check, something like that, and you're just making it better. Exactly. It started out as finding opportunity where it wasn't provided, um, but quickly the tool became something that people who are already providing it, if you use this tool, it'll make the operation better, right? It'll make the experience better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we kind of started to just sell it instead of just you know 
finding new places to start the service. And that was a big transition in our company. We had about 250 co-checkers back in like 2015. And we started to um, partner out at the staffing solutions and really focus on the tech. So um, now the company mm-hmm. is strictly how do we build the tech for the different providers? That makes sense because those are two very different models. One is putting people into places to take coats and managing like humans with all their schedules and challenges and geography. They have to be places to tech where it's they have software they might have. Now, so is there equipment that they need or is it just on a regular iPad or when someone signs on, what do you, what, what do they, what does it take to integrate that? Yeah, we have an app in the app store so they can download it on their iPad or their iPhone. Uh, we do have tags so they can scan their existing tags and just not give the bottom portion to the customer. But we also sell uh, special tags that make organizing, storing, and finding things easier. So mm-hmm. um, some people will buy these. We have NFC tags. Um, and then we also have you know, enclosures, stuff like that. But ultimately, it's, it's, it's really just a software. And don't, use, don't buy paper. Use this app and send you know, guests texts instead. Okay. So, so it seems like it's a fairly simple, simple thing to integrate. It's, it's not going to take a dramatic um, reconstruction of the process to, to integrate the system. That's, yeah, that's been the goal. One of our big goals is to just make it easy. Um, you know, a lot of times tech is scary. Uh, so, you know, we want to show them instead of holding a, a handful of paper tickets, just hold your phone, use that instead to check someone's items. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because my first thought with this was integrating, you know, how do you get into these live nations and whatnot, convincing them to retrain their staff and take on a new process. But the more the more you're talking about, the more like there's not really a retraining. It's it's you simply tell them, don't give tickets anymore. Use the app. And Yeah, and what's nice is is believe it or not, paper's expensive because you mm-hmm. you keep throwing it out every night. Whereas our tags yep. are reusable. They just, you know, they go in the hangers once and that hanger's always number one. The other one's always fifty. Uh and so Ultimately, mm-hmm. a lot of them are saving, you know, becoming sustainable, yep. saving money on their bottom line from just replacing the paper. Uh, and so for them, it's just a mm-hmm. cost saver as well as less claims, you know, and those cost a lot to replace someone's coat or bag. So, you know, for the Ooh, business yeah. itself, yeah, it definitely saves the money. Um, and then, you know, you have a nightmare coat checker, a nightmare luggage storage situation that could make or break, you know, a brand experience and someone may not come back to your nightclub mm-hmm. or someone may not come back to your museum because they had to wait 40 minutes in line or two hours at the end of an event. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they also have to, you know, think about that when, when deciding whether to keep using paper or not. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's something huge. I've, I've had some of those experiences where you make me check my coat and then you don't give it back. And now yeah, everything else could have been perfect and I'm never coming back. I'm telling all my friends how terrible it was. Just because there's that sense of, of it. people don't like to lose control, I think is what it is. And so when you give up your thing, especially like you can't leave without your coat. So you're, you're, you're a prisoner there until you can get that coat back. And if there's some sloppy process, then yeah, those, those processes drive me nuts. So, so this sounds like a really cool thing. And so they pay as a, a one-time setup fee, a subscription fee. What's the, what's the model? Yeah, like? it's a, it's a subscription model. So mm-hmm. it's by volume. So okay. sort of like when you buy claim tickets, you buy them in bulk. The more you buy in bulk, the cheaper the you know prices per item. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. we do the same thing. We have subscriptions with volume discounts um, that they just pay annually based on the volume. So are there some stories from uh, success stories from the, the businesses you're working with and results that they've gotten that have, have improved their business? 
my one of my favorite ones is the Museum of Modern Art, just because mm-hmm. they had this crazy situation on Friday at around five o'clock, um, which is typically the museum would close for regular GA visitors. And then they had this thing called Free Friday, where Uniglo sponsored it. It was a Free Friday. And so they'd have to check out everyone's coat that was currently still in the museum about to leave while having to then check in all these other people's coats that were coming in for Free Friday. So they consistently, if you just go to like Yelp reviews, had 45 to an hour long lines at this time every week. And uh, they just had a big renovation. They were going from, uh, I think about 3 million to 4 million visitors a year. And they were like, oh, by the way, uh, we don't have more room for the check room. Uh, we need to store 25% more items in this check room, but we're already running out of room. So for them, we had a couple great things that, you know, problems that we could solve. One, can we get rid of this hour long line? Two, can we find a way to store more items within the space? Um, you know, with our technology. And we actually ended up partnering with conveyor companies. So now when people get their items, our systems are queuing conveyors to bring them to the front. So you don't need as much room for runner hallways for people to run down lanes. And so we were able to, one, store all the items that they needed within the same space. But two, those lines, it was the, it was funny. The busiest day of the year, um, they set up like stanchions all the way, you know, like six or seven layers of stanchions. So people just go down these lanes back and forth zigzagging. <laughs> and, and when we opened up with our new system on this business night of the year, they were like, if it works on this day, like, you know, if you can somehow make the line short on this day, you figured it out. The lines would usually have been about an hour. People were just doing the thing where they were ducking under the stanchions because they couldn't get through the lines mm-hmm. fast enough to get to the front. And that was the day where I think our team was like, we've really done it. We were able to check in about 4,000 coats in like 20 minutes. And it was just to wow. see that all work, to see it all come together and eradicate an hour and a half wait for every single person coming to the moment. And they have millions of visitors a year, gave us the confidence like this could work anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that was in 2017. Yeah. It really spiked, you know, really sparked the business um, to get to that next level. Was this, was this their staff running it or was it your staff running the co-check? This was a partner staff that we trained um, running okay. the co-check. So uh, we like to find staffing partners that are like looking to change, looking to provide innovative service. And we provide the mm-hmm. tech and the training. Um, and we've, we've noticed that, interestingly, people have found ways to use this tech in ways we haven't even thought of. So we had this silent disco. I don't know if you've heard of the silent discos. No. What is a silent disco? It's these crazy things. Um, in places like New York City, there's all these noise ordinances. So like throwing a party in Central Park or on the beaches, you can't do it because of noise ordinances. So this innovative, these innovative companies, uh, it was called, it's called Quiet Events was our you know, big partner. Um, that re- he reached out to us, the CEO there, and said, hey, can we use your tech to lend out silent disco headphones? Uh, and this was just at the time it was just co-check i'm like what do you mean he's like well we don't check things in we check out things and we want to get them back right so he just inversed it but he's like but your tech will work perfectly for this as well so he saw the tech mm-hmm. came up with the idea that like it, it doesn't have to be the business store in the item it could be the you know it could be the opposite the business giving it out and then wanting it back yeah. you know and and not dealing with claims and it allowed him to go from about he was doing these silent discos for 250 people but after 250 people, it became too crazy to try to manage lending out 
more headphones than 250. Right. They were collecting IDs. And just to be clear, priority. instead of having big speakers, it's yeah, instead of having it's big just, speakers, they give out high quality headphones and yeah, okay. and there's a DJ and it's completely quiet. So they can so they get around the noise yeah. ordinances and they they're now throwing like six thousand person parties on the beaches in LA and on the Brooklyn Bridge and the police can't really do any yeah the police can't do anything because there's no noise it's just it's yeah. organized thing through the mm-hmm. headphones and people are just dancing on like the Brooklyn Bridge and and it made that was one of those like things that was like wow with good tech to allow people to trust each other with their stuff these innovative businesses mm-hmm. can come out of nowhere right like wow yeah that's, that's nice and to me like that you know just just sparking that shared economy of things and allowing people to trust each other with their stuff what what it made me recognize is like can we be the tool to allow those transactions to happen um without dealing with claims or misplacements or lines and i think that's become our huge focus right now just where else can this be done and can this work for it not just coats valet bags the existing ones but how can we expand where these types of services are offered because of the fact that now people can trust strangers to hold on and give back their stuff? Well, yeah, and just kind of having that tracking technology and that something uh, to keep track of that, which is, I think, again, a lot of the, the best innovations are those things. If you stop and think about it, you're like, this should definitely plug to this and make this thing happen. But somebody has to actually draw that connection. And also hearing it, it, it sounds like you're more than, you know, you're more than just a, a coat check solution because... Like with the museum, it sounds like you came in and really worked their system and not just, here's an app, good luck. Like you've got the, the the background, so you understand the process of what they're doing. So you could come in and almost consult with them and talk about the conveyor belts and the whole whole system. And yeah, and you know, talking about networking, I think something I've learned over the years is sort of that value add, whether they go mm-hmm. with our tech or not right? Can we be a consultant? Like we've learned so much about setting up check rooms, whether coats or luggage or, you know, just from, from helping and supporting all these operations that we now kind of can look at a new one and give them all this advice. And so whether they decide, oh, we want to use paper, we want to use your tech to, as the tool, I think long-term, you know, we're building their trust, we're giving value back before we ever ask, you know, for, for anything. And I, and I've learned that, that approach, you know, for how we kind of start the relationships has really kind of allowed us to really create this great referral network, which is our best channel Mm -hmm. right now. It's, it's, um, you know, these connections like, Oh, this new museum is renovating or they're this, this, you know, convention center is, is about to be built. And it's, it's all these small networks. They all know each other. All the museum directors know each other. All the convention directors know each other, even the hotel world, which, there's thousands of hotels, but it's it's more intimate than I ever could have imagined, you know, at the top where the decisions are happening that they share, right? Oh, if you need someone to help figure out how to best design your, your check room and how to operate it well in the modern era, call these guys. They, they, they helped us, right? And so I think that's, um, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned over the past couple of years you know, when you first come out of college, you read all these sales books and you learn all these, oh, get scripts, process. But I, I think one of the big things was let's figure out how to be the consultants first and then from there train yep. others within our organization to mm-hmm. be consultants. And that's how, um, you know, I, I believe business should work. Now, so do you do, you do anything with, uh, with, with, say, recorded courses, YouTube channels, putting out code check information or is it all just, just you and your team going out and teaching one-to-one? It's, it's something we want to do. 
Um, Mm -hmm. what's complicated is every operation is so different. Like every room is different. So we're, we're trying to figure out how to, um, create approaches, right. Where, where people Mm -hmm. can take their space and take our best practices. Uh, so it's definitely something in the works, but it's something we're still trying to figure out how to execute well. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an idea thrown out about a year ago and we were like, Oh my gosh, we should totally do this. Yeah, so, I, what you say about referrals is basically I, I recently attended an event called uh, Strategic Alliance Live, and I, I'm pretty sure they do zero advertising, but it's all joint venture partners. It's all working with with other people in the in the business world who like what they're doing, like the concept, and they partner, and there's referral fees involved. But it's all relationship-based. It's all people that they trust then saying, oh, there's this great event. Um, I get a lot out of it. You should come as well. And it was huge. I think they did millions in revenue from this single event entirely from relationships and referrals and, and there's introduction. Cause that's, that's how, and yeah, and you're right. Too, too little of business education talks about, talks about those, those connections. They, they use the example uh, is the opposite of a shark tank, the dolphin pool, because sharks work independently. Dolphins work together as teams um, and the dolphins do better because they work together. And that's, that's a huge part of business as, as obviously you're finding. Yeah. So Michael, you know, I, I, I'm curious just to hear some more, you know, just kind of knowing our business, knowing our approach, you know, as an expert networker, um, what would be some recommendations, you know, I could take back to my team as far as Mm -hmm. like little small wins, you know, we can do to get better at sort of this networking side of the business. Uh, I was so excited to get on your show because, you know, that's something like a big topic right now is learning how to better network. Um, you know, not just at the top, but everyone in the company, like, what can we all be doing? Totally. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm used to asking the questions, but I suppose I can answer some. Um, awesome. But uh, yeah, so, so as you said, it's all about first providing value and, and approaching it as how can I help? You know, any situation you go into, the thought's got to be, how can I help here? Uh, and the interesting thing I'm, I'm finding in business is, is oftentimes money is almost incidental. Uh, I've, I've had speaking gigs where I've actually, you know, talked to friends, networking contacts, people I know well, and they've asked me to speak to their staff and I'll tell them like, you know, I'm happy to speak to your staff and not get paid. But you know, if you've got a budget, I'm also happy to get paid. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll take care of you. No problem. And that was a negotiation. It wasn't, well, if you want me to talk, you're going to pay this much. It was, yeah, I'll work for this little zero, but do what you think is fair. And it's amazing. People who are successful generally have a good sense of fairness. They, they want to do what's right because that's how they're successful. You don't get successful by cutting deals and screwing people and being like, oh, the contract doesn't say this or see you in court, try it. You know, because the next time you come back around to that same person, it's a small world and you're going to find yourself on the other side of the table with that person and be like, I remember last time. And, you know, and, and there's two ways that someone can use that phrase that there's, oh, I remember last time. Yeah, I got you. Or I remember last time I'll get you. And you want to make sure it's the right kind of I remember last time if you treat them well, which, it, you know, seems like kind of the way you're doing that, um, which is great. But, you know, one thought that came to mind as you were talking was the idea of putting out that content. And, and you know, when you see that free content, a lot of uh, experts will share content or people who are knowledgeable. A lot of people don't like the word expert because what really is an expert? But, you know, they share what they share what they know and they'll share everything they know. I mean, this with with uh, Embark, they're on Strategic Alliance Live. They have programs that are $100,000 programs and they'll have a free masterclass where they share the entire process. If you want to do it yourself, it's all there in the video. It's free, no obligation. 
uh, you, you watch the video, you take a bunch of notes, and you could do it yourself. It's all right there. Nothing held back. But if you don't want to do it yourself, then that's what they're what they're selling at the end. Um, and the point of it is is to show that they that they know what they're doing. Um, so you know, think about the context. You're thinking like, how do we make it actionable for everybody? Really, the goal is not so much that they can do it without you, but that they know they could do it with you. And so, you know, one thought I had was was if you can um, share content about here's some case studies. You know, here's how we do it, which. If you have like museum, for example, they might be like, we'd love to show off our amazing coat check and how awesome it is. Bring your cameras in. Come on down. Because then they're getting exposure um, and with the problem they solved. And you're getting exposure and everyone's winning. They're As a museum, they're probably about education, I would imagine. So they're like, yeah, you can do some education there. I can't speak for them. I don't even know exactly which museum it is. But um, but you know they, they might be open to that, but if not, just kind of share that case study of of here's what we did, here's how we did it, go into detail, maybe even talk about you know we got the X forty seven six conveyor machine, and that's what we found was best. We looked at this other machine, which is a great machine, but not for this situation because blah, blah, blah. really kind of go into that. So when someone watches that video, they'd be like, oh, man, this guy is clearly the world expert on fixing coat checks, which I didn't even realize there were experts on. So kind of putting that content out there so people can can get a sense of of who you are, which also makes it easier to explain yourself instead of being like, yeah, let's talk and I'll explain what I can do. Hey, watch this video. It's 20 minutes long. It's a lot of fun. You know, put a little money into producing it nicely and, and, uh, you know, watch this and be like, Oh, Oh, now I get what you do. Yeah. Cool. So, so that's, that's kind of some, some thoughts that came to mind immediately uh, in terms of how that could be, um, how you could deploy content and networking, um, to get, get your foot in the door there. That's great advice. And, you know, it's scary, honestly, uh, the thought of like, oh, put out all our secret sauces and expert content, right? And I think there's over the past 10 years, I've seen that shift, right? Especially with all this, you know, social media, all this video content is like you mm-hmm. said, the more I'm observing how companies are doing it, the ones that have made it, right? Square is one of our, you know, idols that we look at because they do design so well, they do onboarding so well, they make it so easy. Whereas these older, you know, payment systems and you know, point of sale systems are very complicated, and you know, you can't find out any information about them. And mm-hmm. and I'm I'm realizing like they're building my trust, they're making me understand sort of how everything works, so I have more confidence in buying and using because I know so much before I make a decision. And you know, tying that back to our business, it's it's like that's the same thing when it comes to executing. Everyone's time, like you know, our team's one hour to execute something that we know, like the back of our hand, you know, someone else can have the formula, but it's going to take them maybe eight hours to get the same, you know, execution done well and good business, you know, um, you know, good business management understands that, right. It's like, well, I don't have trained staff that know Mm -hmm. how to set up a check room. You know, my staff is, this is not our primary business. We're here to, you know, yeah. um, showcase art or, you know, give people a wonderful hotel stay, mm-hmm. right. Or let them dance. Like this is not our thing, but these guys can come in and do it much quicker. Right. You know? So I think, you know, over time, that's something when, you know, right out of college, you don't recognize that. And these are some of those mm-hmm. things you learn you yeah. know, in the, in real life. So that's great advice. I, yeah. I like the idea well, it, of the case study it, strategy. To, to showcase how, you know, people can then relate to those. Yeah. And the thing about the museum, for example, 
Yeah, you know, the museum, like you got your expertise because you ran a bunch of code checks. Well, the museum's running a code check and probably one that was as big as any 10 of yours together. So they've got the experiment experiment station. Um, they've got probably the budget. You know, they, they could they could have put something together that was like a camera and a spreadsheet and take your phone number. And they could have kind of hacked together a similar technology. But as you said, they don't want to. Like, it would probably cost them more to do it themselves, even if they had your entire blueprint, than it would cost to bring you in to do it for them. Uh, you know, it, there's, there's the old story about, uh, you know, there, there, there's the industrial machine and and nobody can fix it. And they bring in this expert mechanic. And the expert mechanic looks at it and pulls out a little hammer and goes, tink, and then hands them a bill, $10,000. And they say, $10,000, you just tapped it with a hammer. And he's like, yeah, $50 to tap with a hammer. 9,950 to know where to tap it. I like that. It's all about, you know, how building that expertise, building that knowledge. And, you know, I, I bet that no matter how, how big their coat check is, they don't have a professional coat room manager who knows coat check science. You know, there might be someone who's managing the staff and they kind of a supervisor, but they're probably not experts on coat check who have spent their lives studying coat checks and traveling the country and seeing the best coat check practices because, as you said, they're focused on guest experiences and the food or the museum or the exhibits. They're not focusing on it. And it doesn't make sense either. Oh, I, I'm in uh, in town government here in Groton, Connecticut. And somebody once asked, well, you know, why are we bringing a consultant to, to design the new website? Why can't we do it in-house? And I said, we better be bringing consultants because if we have that kind of talent in-house, we're overpaying them because we only need a website once every 10 years. So why do we have a professional web designer on staff when we don't make a website? Same thing with you. Why would they have the talent to to build out a coat check? That's a lot of expensive, t- specific talent when they could bring you in to do it. And you know, and, and if and the other thing too is you can put that information out there, and someone's going to say, "Oh, now I know everything you do, and I'm going to do it myself." And a year later, they're going to call you up. And they're like, uh, "Yeah, Derek." So, I watched the <laughs> and um, well, I can see I can see how it could work, but. Uh, yeah, when can you come out? Could you come out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's it is one of those things, the science of it, right? It's it's visiting hundreds of operations and pulling all this knowledge together. Mm-hmm. And that's what's been tough about thinking through the, you know, making some videos on how to do it. Um, is because you know, every situation is unique. But I love your idea mm-hmm. of giving these cases so people can understand what they need to think through and if they need help you know, thinking it through, hit us up. We're here. Yeah, and some of them might just be like, oh, install a conveyor. It never occurred to me there was one that would fit in here. Oh, that's a solution. They go find a conveyor company and and they're solved. But they'll still they still might remember where they got that knowledge from. Exactly. So Michael, yeah, good so points they, today. Yeah. That's what I try to do. Uh, usually it's no, I appreciate yes, it. Yes, but I like this back and forth. This is good. This is a good way to do the format. No, I, I liked <laughs> asking the question. I need to ask yeah. more questions. This is great. Yes. Yeah. If you got more questions, I, I love that. Yeah. I love that our marketing team, right. Is going to be watching this video and then it's like, Oh, we need to do marketing around the consultation. And it's something we've definitely started, right. It's we, we've like, Oh, we should put, you know, this information on a, on a page on our website. So people know we do this behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first trigger. Like, let's at least let them know like what actually happens, you know, to think yep. through a, a check room. And, you know, we, we're going to just put a couple cases up in, in, you know, a, 
PDF form, I guess, as you would call them on a website, where just this is the results and you know what we did and how we thought it through. And I like as like a next step than talking through it and making it fun, interactive content. So it's such a great idea, yeah. Michael. What, well, and you've kind of already moved, like your business has moved in that direction branding wise by changing the name Checksology. Because I, I was thinking like, yeah, you should have a series called Coach Checkology. Wait a minute. That's the name of your company, <laughs> Checksology, like yeah. you know, the, the science of coach checks. Well, it was it was funny because they were using the Coach Check app, Coach Checks, called C O A T C H E X, for silent disco headphone rentals, and we were just like, "This doesn't make sense." So, Checksology is was the name of the company. Like, we, it doesn't matter what you check in and out. We're going to mm-hmm. be the technology to do this well. Paper doesn't document anything. It's if someone yep. scratches a car or loses something, there's no proof. Let's be the technology that just captures what happened and allows these two yep. people to trust each other with, you know, handing stuff back and forth. And I think that once we kind of recognize like this is the big, there's a bigger, there's a bigger thing here that we need to go attack. It really expanded uh, everyone's creativity and mindset around, you know, what we can be doing with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the exciting thing. It, and, you know, once you start, it, it's often you find a problem and then you create a solution to it. And then once you have the solution, you find more problems. And then- <laughs> this is what I try. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, so I went to Indiana and the professors always, ask, you know, oh, can you come back? Can you talk to the students about entrepreneurship? I was in the entrepreneurship program. And the one thing I always, everyone always asks, how did you come up with the idea of this app? And I go, Oh, it was like 25 problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution that kind of led it to becoming an app. I didn't just, oh, I need to build an app, right? It it was kind of like, it was this slow sequence of doing next pain point, solve that pain point, next pain point. And they all kind of came together and we realized like, oh, instead of doing a Google form where someone puts in their phone number and then we type in the tag number, it saves on the spreadsheet, we do a command fine. Like it's hard to capture the pictures and this is slowing things down. That was sort of, we kind of worked our way mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning. So the start of it was on the claim ticket. When people lost their claim ticket, there was no way to identify that that was their actual code. They would just point, oh, it's a black North face and there's 20 black North faces. So we started writing initials down on the back of the claim ticket. So if they lost their ticket, at least we'd have to go through the needle in the haystack. But once we found the black North face, we could spot check that mm-hmm. the initials matched. And then we realized at the end of the night, uh, all these people left their coats behind. They got, you know, they had too many drinks. They just forgot to pick up their coat. And the bars and the nightclubs were getting annoyed that people were calling them the next day. And they're like, Derek, can't you handle this? Like, why are we dealing with calls on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings to return people's mm-hmm. coats? So then I said, well, instead of writing the initials on the back of the claim ticket, let me have them write their phone number. Because that way, when they come back and identify it, they can just identify their phone number. But also then all the coats left over will have their phone numbers on the back. We just send them a text that says, Hey, we still have your coat. Uh, you know, come pick it up at this time. Don't call the bar or we can deliver it to you for 20 bucks. If you don't, if you you know want to drink Gatorade in the morning and not mm-hmm. leave your house, we got you. And it became, <laughs> you know, a, an additional revenue stream, but also it eliminated the headache, uh, you know, to the bars and, you know, added more value to our service. And then, that kind of was the first stem of like, okay, well, t- you know, writing a full phone number takes longer than the initials. Can they do it as we're tagging the stuff? And that's where the iPad came in. Like, let them do that first. They're doing that. We're putting items up. We then flip the iPad, hit next, and we type in the tag number and hit mm-hmm. save. And then, you know, it just kind of kept going from there. Well, now that we're using iPads, what else can we do with the iPad? And then uh-huh. that's when 
right? And it and so when I when I talk to these students that want to become entrepreneurs, I always say, don't let something like a, a grand vision daunt you from starting. Think about mm-hmm. the first thing, the first step. What's the first thing you can do to add value, right? It could be the littlest of thing and just keep marching, keep taking those steps, keep mm-hmm. walking mm-hmm. towards that grand vision and you'll get there if you just don't quit. And I think, you know, a yep. lot of people struggle because they're like, how do I make this huge idea happen all at once? This grand vision. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just, unless you're Elon Musk. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you have like ridiculous capital, it not which not everyone has, there's other ways to get there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, that's yeah. our story. Well, you know, just kind of working and, our and way And thinking up. of content you produce, you could produce. Yeah. I, I think it'd be great. If you had something that kind of like documented the, the iterations of the early technology, because you're going to find potential clients who are going to see themselves there. Cause if you basically say, here's 12 ways not to run a code check because there's something better. And, and they'll be looking at like, Oh, step one. Ha ha. That, yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Step two. Yeah. That's crazy. Step three. That's crazy. Step four. That's crazy. Step five. That's us. That's what we're doing <laughs> right now. Oh my God. That he has six iteration steps after that, before he gets to a technology and we've been there for five years. No wonder it's not such a mess. Um, and and yeah, we're spending how much on these tickets and how, and we need five staff in there instead of three. And, you know, you know these guys be charged a million dollars. We'd save money. Oh my God. Yeah, we need to get in touch with these guys. But, but that's kind of what, what I'm hearing there is I bet, because when, when you describe the system, my my first thought was um, if I was trying to hack it together, I'd be like, okay, I'd have a camera. I'd have a Google form or a spreadsheet, search it. Um, and it seems better than paper, but then you've got, you're writing things down. What's the number again? What's it again? Is that seven? Seven you said? Yeah. And now it's taking twice as long. And so, yeah, I, I, I am certain there's code checks out there that are at step, you know, at, at, uh, at technology level four, five, six, seven, <laughs> they'll hear your story. And be like, that's exactly, exactly what we're doing right now. And yeah. And, and the way. funny thing is, yeah. And as you said, like, you know, people always come to me like, Oh, we have people take pictures of their claim tickets. And then I'm like, yeah, I've been there. We did that in 2013, you know? And mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, we just had them take pictures of their own claim ticket and show it. And I'm like, that's great. Unless they drop that claim ticket, someone else picks up off the ground and just hands it to you. And then you just hand back the code to someone else because they don't need to hold on to the ticket because they have a picture. So we tried that. They go, like, oh, we'll just have them take pictures. And that way, if they lose the ticket, we'll just ask them mm-hmm. to show it to us. But what happens is like when you take a picture of your claim ticket, you're like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> and people just like throw them away. <laughs> and, and, then, and then people that are like, whoa, claim ticket. wonder what my free gift is today. And they hand it in and like, here's your North Face. Here's your, <laughs> your <laughs> like, oh, this is good. I didn't come with a co. Now I have one. And, and it's like, yeah. So, you know, when we hear these war stories and, and the ideas people have hacked, it's always great because we can tell the stories because we've been there, right, over the past We've just yep. been so focused yeah, on yeah, it. And I, I love your ideas, right? I like the steps because then they can mm-hmm. see, oh, yep, that's where we're at. Yep. And we thought we figured it out, but oh, you're right. We are, we still get like five claims a year where we have to reimburse people for coats and we don't know why. Like, that's the reason. So that's, that's awesome. Great <laughs> yeah. ideas, Michael. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you can take notes, whenever you can like read people's <laughs> minds like that. What, what, yeah. When they tell you one thing and you're like, so how many coats are you uh, having to reimburse? Uh, like 40. Yeah, that's what I thought. How'd you know? Because yeah. we did that too. Yeah, we've been there. We are yeah. checksologists. <laughs> we have studied <laughs> the like science. That. Yeah. Checksologists. We know the science. That's awesome. So, 
yeah, but you know, she has some yeah, definitely some really exciting things happening. And then of course, you know, bigger, better things. And and the great thing, you know, I think a lot of those entrepreneurs, the students you're talking to, probably they have that that like I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to solve a problem. I don't have a problem to solve, but entrepreneurship sounds great. And you started with a problem to solve, which kind of gave you a it's just solve the next problem, solve the next problem, solve the next problem. And with the new entrepreneurial culture, um, you definitely and I, I find that sometimes too. I have these this set of resources, but not necessarily a problem identified. And I'm like, where can I deploy? I know this and this and this. I have these connections, these resources. What block does this key fit into? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are in that spot. They've got a set of resources and they're trying to find the the problem that their their solution fits to, um, which is interesting. Very modern challenge. So yeah. So it's funny you say that because the the presentation I give is from entrepreneur to entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. it talks about just that. Like a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur, but becoming an actual doer and entrepreneur is it's taking that first leap. Like I am now what makes me an entrepreneur and not a entrepreneur. And uh-huh. one of the greatest things that uh, in school that they had us do was first think through 10 pain points. This is how I came up with the idea. Write down 10 things that really grind your gear, that really annoy you. Uh, and, and the whole course was like, what would you rather salt? Like, would you rather be an aspirin or a vitamin was like the whole idea. Like, you know, what would you rather sell? Mm-hmm. And the whole debate was, oh, you know, people were just saying vitamins. Or and then the thing that really stuck with me is if you left your house, if you walked 10 feet out of your house and you felt vitamin deficient, oh, I forgot to take my vitamins. Would you walk back in? But if you had a headache, would you walk back in? I was like, oh, the aspirin is what you want to sell. And so that got me excited about pain points. What are things that still bother people that, you know, pain that that's being created and so i wrote 10 things down right these are like these 10 pain points and one of them was like i lost my code at this bar because they didn't have a code check uh you know i don't like wiping my butt right you know like all these things and then it's like how would you solve it (laughs) right and and then oh crap they have bidets if i really wanted a bidet yeah i could get one and then the coach you know i I want oh i need a lot of money for this one i don't know you know the creativity, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, I want to be able to fly from, you know, I hate walking. Right. So, but the code check one was like, wait, I could do that. All I have to do is buy some racks and hangers and ask the bar owners if I can start a code check. And so it was kind of like the most feasible one on that list that I was passionate about mm-hmm. solving, right. That kind of related to me and yeah. was like, this is what I can do today. And I think doing an exercise like that, cause there's so many ideas, there's so many pain points, but it's about That's, understanding yeah. your resource understand your capabilities, what you can do and having a bit like I can see an outcome and it's, it's feasible in my mind. Right. And this is my first step. And I think that's, was sort of the ultimate objective of, you know, when I talked to these students was I'm not a software engineer. I can't just code an app together. That's you know not how I started. It was truly just problem, pain points, solve, pain points, solve, pain points, solve. And over time out of nowhere, I'm like, Whoa, I, I have a technology company. Where did that come from? Right. And it was just kind of getting there. So <laughs> yeah, that's, crazy that's huge. Yeah. I've, I've, that's something I've done recently is I took, I had all these different threads and I realized a lot of people were in that early stage of business and uh, they don't know where to go for anything. They don't know where to find a website. They don't know where to, or, you know, I don't know how many times you've heard the story, but the like, yeah, I've hired three different web designers. I paid all of them. None of them refunded me and I still have no website. And of course I know a bunch of reliable web designers and a bunch of reliable click funnel people and a bunch of reliable sales trainers. And, and so like, I know all these people. Why don't I create an organization, you know, a low cost membership group that part of the privilege is business concierge, just like a hotel concierge. You say, hey, Michael, I need a website. Who do I call who will actually make me a website? Like, oh, I got somebody. And and that's how I created the the, uh, Success Accelerator Network. 
Um, but again, That's yeah, awesome. I have this pile of solutions. Who has a problem? I had a problem a year ago. I wish I had this. I think that's often the best thing is I wish I had this. So let me make it. Yep. So, awesome. so people want to, want to get in touch with you and, and fix their coat check headaches or tracking anything else they need to move around. Uh, how do they get in touch with Chexology? Yeah. So C-H-E-X-O-L-O-G-Y. Hit us up on LinkedIn, Instagram. That's our website. That's our handle everywhere. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is great, uh, but we're everywhere. Uh, and then me personally, uh, my handle is at Derek, D-E-R-E-K. P-A-C-Q-U-E on any channel. So if you need to talk through anything, want to figure out how to start a business, yeah, I love kind of working with anyone who's trying to, you know, get something going. So feel free to reach out. And I would say whether you, you know, you're trying to start a, a coat check or you need help with a coat check or a bag check or a valet, next time you get a piece of paper somewhere, please, you know, why are you guys still doing this? You should use Chexology. That would be a huge help. So Hopefully we can get rid of this paper once and for all soon. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Segment introductions by Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel and Summer Ambient Piano by Raphael Crook of filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash the guy who knows a guy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast as a whole, we welcome you to share our links with them. Thanks. I'll see you next week. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV connect.com December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.